0: Praise God, it's good to see everyone this afternoon. <laughs> and it is good to be seen by you. Truly the Lord is at work among us. What a great joy it is to be able to come and share um, with you this afternoon as we give some considerations to how God God's word applies to us as a local church. We're going to be um, giving further consideration to our vision as a church and we've arrived at the the third aspect effective in outreach effective in outreach so let me get rid of this what's our vision? Our vision is to be a You thought I was going to help you right along, right? (laughs) Equipped to disciple and effective in outreach. Praise God. All right. So by the end of this message, you're going to love me and hate me. You know, you see, as we deal with the issue of outreach, this is one of those issues that would really um, often strike fear and consternation into the heart of even the most seasoned believer. And um, by God's grace, there will be some encouragement for, for us from the scriptures that should help to alleviate some of those fears and encourage us with regards to God's ability to use us to fulfill his work of mission. Amen? But at the same time, as much as you might be encouraged and love me for that encouragement... Um, I'm actually going to tamper with the vision statement. So as we're going through the vision, um, in the first session I mentioned that it's an opportunity for us to be reminded. It's an opportunity for us to, to really look into it more closely. And it's also an opportunity for us to review and even refine. And so what I'm going to put forward is a refinement of the third aspect of our vision statement today, which will mean that we will have to relearn something that we're already tentatively learning. But it's better we let you know now, right? Amen. And so, as we consider the scripture, which is the mandate for the church, it is the vision, it's Christ's vision for his church. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We'll consider the implications of that for us as Calvary Chapel, South London. Let's pray. Dear Lord God and Heavenly Father I do thank you so much for the fact that you are faithful truly you are faithful you are consistent you who are eternal outside of time unchanging in all your ways we're able to look to you with great confidence and we know You, Lord, by reason of your revelation through your word, primarily the living word, who is Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. God among us. And so, as we look to Jesus as the captain of our salvation, we do so with humble hearts. That you would encourage us, that Lord, you would speak to us, that Lord, you would strengthen us, that Lord, you would challenge us, that Lord, you would cause your glory to be seen in and through our lives. Have your way in us. By your spirit, we pray as your word is ministered in Jesus' name. Amen. So, effective in outreach. Couple simple considerations for us today. What does it mean and how do we do it? What does it mean and how do we do it? So, it's really a no brainer that we as the church are to be on mission doing outreach. What does that really mean? As we've been given some consideration to this statement, we've appreciated that actually there is need to give a more accurate sentiment that communicates what we are to be about as God's people, the local church right here At Calvary Chapel, South London. And so I'll propose the revision and then explain the reasoning. So, as opposed to being effective in outreach, maybe it's better stated faithful on mission. Faithful on mission. Now, you might say to yourself, well, why faithful rather than effective? Why outreach rather than mission? Doesn't it basically amount to the same thing? Just as Pastor Rob said earlier, music is powerful. We all know what it's like to hate a song and then find ourselves repeating the chorus over and over because we just hear it so often. And we're just like, why am I singing this Justin Bieber song that I just can't get out of my head? And it's because they kill us with it on the radio and it's... And it it gets into our system even though we consciously don't want it to. In the same way that music is powerful, we recognize that words are even more powerful. Words carry meaning. Meaning affects understanding. More importantly, meaning affects our attitude. And so therefore... Although it might seem like merely a different choice of words, some say, ah, oh, semantics, semantics. What we're wanting to do is to ensure that as we're meditating on our vision statement and applying it to our lives, that the statement is helping to create not just the right understanding, but also the right attitude of heart. Because it is in the seat of our attitude, that our convictions are actually expressed. So often we say things, and yet they don't match our true conviction. How many times has someone said something to you and you have like, yeah, 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 I agree. But in your heart, you don't totally agree. You don't, you're prepared to gr- agree up to a certain point, but you don't totally agree. And then later on that becomes evident in your attitude. Oh, but I thought we had an understanding, the person says. Why are you behaving like that? Why are you speaking in that tone? Further explanation needed because our attitude has exposed our true convictions. And so, how are these words going to help shape our attitude? Let's consider... Faithful versus effective. Now, effective. When we're considering the matter of outreach, evangelism, reaching out to the lost, the term effective can be quite misleading and somewhat questionable if we want to try and pin down what does that mean. What does it mean to be effective? Are we effective if we have a church full, bursting at the seams. Are we effective then? Are we effective when we need to move out of this building into an arena? Is that effective outreach? Are we an effective outreach when our website, our podcast, are having a million downloads a week? At what point do you begin to define Effectiveness. Oh, are we effective when every single person in the community knows who we are and have passed through our doors? How do we determine effectiveness? Who says what is effective? And the reality is that every one of us can have a different understanding of what effective is to us. And so therefore, for clarification even as we look at the scriptures we see that faithfulness is a much better aspiration faithfulness is a a much more accurate aspiration so we take for example Noah in Genesis chapter 6 was Noah effective God said to him I'm going to judge the world I'm going to bring a flood build an ark now The Bible tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness in the New Testament. Does, from that statement, we don't, we're not clear if he preached with his lips or if his life preached as a testimony to those who were about him. But his building the ark and his faithfulness to God made a statement, a clear statement to those who were around him. They knew what was going on and why. How many people went in the ark with Noah when the flood came? How many? Eight people. Thank you, Brother Tip. TC says it's eight people. It was Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives. Noah, you flocked, man. He was far from effective. In warning people and reaching them to run from the judgment that's to come. Just you and your family. For a hundred, thank you, a hundred and twenty years. And that's all you could muster up by way of effectiveness. See, we could look at the situation and say, have that expression, have that sentiment toward Noah. When actually, Noah was recognized to be effective. His effectiveness was found in his faithfulness to God. You see, when it comes to the matter of mission, when it comes to the matter of outreach, our responsibility is to be faithful to declare God's responsibility is to provoke a response and draw people to Himself, and so our effectiveness is defined by our faithfulness. Many will be familiar with the parable of the um, the, the talents. Sorry, the parable of the talents. And we see three individuals that were chosen by their master, and they were given talents according to their ability. And one was given one talent, and another two talents, and another five talents. And the three individuals were set a a, a task to go out and use their talents and to make an increase. And two of them came back and heard these words taken from Matthew 25:21 Well done you good and successful servant Is that right Well done you good and effective servant No Well done good and faithful servant You have been faithful over a little I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. In the economy of God's kingdom, faithfulness trumps effectiveness every time. God is looking for people who will be faithful. And so we've been called to take the message of the gospel the good news, and to make it known. And in this, we appreciate our chief priority is to be faithful. Or else what can happen is we can cut corners on the message, we can manipulate people, we can begin to employ all kinds of inappropriate methods in order to be seen to be effective. And some of us are familiar with the fact that that happens. Some of us have experienced that. You've had that altar call moment. The keyboard's running. (laughs) Come. And you feel that. And they're looking. And they assume that you're an unbeliever. Because maybe as a lady you're not wearing a hat to church. Or because as a man you are wearing a hat to church. And they look at you.
1: The Lord is calling. Mm -hmm.
0: And you begin to feel all of this kind of emotional pressure. And now you might think, Ephraim, that's a bit unfair. That's a bit of a caricature. Surely there's some good in that. You know, God is able to use anything, but here's the statistics. A survey was done over a period of three years by a missions organization and they surveyed people who had made responses within their denomination to what is what we understand to be an altar call. So people are summoned to come to the front and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ in that instant, in that moment, that being the marker or indicator of them giving their life to Christ and now being saved. They found that after three years, during their survey period, however many people came forward, after three years, 90% of them no longer were walking with the Lord, no longer in fellowship, no longer being discipled after three years. 90% of them. And so it begged the question, was the method the thing that generated the response, or was it the message? And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. And so, faithfulness is the goal. How about mission versus outreach? Mission versus outreach. This, likewise with the the difference between faithfulness and effectiveness, can help us a great deal. Because when normally as Christians we think of outreach, we think of it as being something that is done at certain times, it's done in certain ways, and maybe even done by certain people. So for example, we have evangelism on a Friday night, and I refuse to call those leaders, that core team that go out, And lead evangelism on a Friday night. I refuse to call them the evangelism team. Refuse. Why might that be? Because we're all supposed to be doing outreach. As believers we're all called on mission. And so outreach isn't just something that happens at certain times. In certain ways. And maybe even with certain people. But actually... It's something that we are all called to engage in and is the, the fundamental purpose of our being here. So you gave your life to Christ, you surrendered, Jesus is your Lord, you repented, you experienced the joy, the, the flush of first fruits of salvation and the sky looked bluer and the grass looked greener and the sun looked more golden and you looked in people's faces and you just loved them and you just, and you, okay. But you're still here. Why didn't Jesus just take us to heaven? At that point when we were born again, why weren't we just individually raptured or something? Just caught up to be with Him. Cool, you're mine now, let's go. There's a purpose, there's a reason why we're here. The sole focus, the, the reason for our being here is because we are called on mission. Paul said this in Second Corinthians three. He said, "You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts to be known and read by all." Now, in the context, Paul talking about these super apostles who would be going around and they would be showing their references and their credentials and saying, "Look." I'm a super apostle. And Joe Bloggs back at base camp, he agrees. Look, he's given me a letter of reference. And so they would walk with these letters of commendation and references and try and impress people and really kind of elevate their status. And Paul said this statement, which has wide application. Some translations say, you are living letters to be read by all men. You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all and you show that you are a letter from Christ. Who's a letter from Christ? Absolutely. You are, we can say we are a letter from Christ delivered by us being the apostles written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tables of human hearts. So our lives are supposed to be a living blog of the reality of Christ. Or a living vlog, or whatever your choice of medium is. That's who we are as Christians. Twenty-four-seven, we're on mission. On mission, making disciples. Not just something we do now and then. And we kind of, you know, oh, I'm on a break at the moment from outreach. I've got studies are doing my head in. I, I'm not really going to kind of give attention to that. We've Got to get these exams. Got to pass these papers. Or work is just killing me. And I can't even really think about outreach. But you know what? Well, we'll get back to it at some point. In those situations, our lives' priorities have become shifted from that which God has purposed for us, who he has purposed us to be. And so, faithful on mission. A healthy church, equipped to disciple, faithful on mission. Does that make some sense? Obviously, there's so much more that can be said, and we'll talk about it in community groups and more, but on a basic level, does that make some sense? You see, the reality is that when I appreciated that, I was called to be a witness of Jesus Christ. It changed my complete attitude to who I am and to how I was to live. I lived a very selfish and insular life as a Christian where my focus was just on Lord bless me, Lord keep me, Lord help me, Lord prosper me. And it was all about me and what I could get from God and what God could do for me. And then I was challenged. Acts 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now this was spoken to Jesus' disciples by the Lord just before his ascension. And the principle of all believers being witnesses is true for all believers. A few months back, Jahaza was here and I remember as he opened his message, he said, look, I'm just going to speak to everyone as missionaries because we're all missionaries, right? We're all called to be on mission. That word witnesses here has a... Shade of meaning that is not obvious in the English. The word witnesses in the English is taken from the Greek word "marturo," which means martyr. At the point when we respond to Christ, the call of the gospel, we are at the same time responding to the call of discipleship. In the Gospels, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The denying of self and self denial is two different things. For many of us as Christians, it's the same thing. Let me give you an example of self denial. Self denial is Lent's coming. You know, Lent, that time just before Easter, and everyone gives up something for Lent. And so during Lent, people may even ask you, you're a Christian, what are you giving up for Lent? And you don't even have a clue what they're talking about. But you know, it's just something that people do, right? Well, I'm giving up chocolate. I'm giving up crisps. I'm giving up jaffa cakes, whatever your thing is. It's normally food, isn't it? Some people will actually say... obviously unbelievers will often like participate because it's their religious thing that they do and they say I'm giving up swearing (laughs) yeah I've heard it and they put a swear box on their desk anyhow you hear me swear I'll put some money in the swear box it all goes to charity that's what I'm giving up for Lent swearing Uh, okay wonderful keep it up man let's make Lent all year right (laughs) Giving up something. Now that's an expression of self-denial. Self-denial. I am going to deny myself this desire, this preference, this delight. I'm going to deny myself this thing. Specifically and particularly. When it comes to everything else, well, it's business as usual. But this thing in particular, I'm going to deny myself that. That is completely different To the denying of self Often as Christians We think that in order to be a true Christian We're supposed to um, exercise self-denial You know, okay, so we won't swear anymore Um, We don't get into road rage anymore Um, You know We'll we'll deny give give All of these things that we Will do in order to practice self-denial We'll prevent ourselves from And we might have a list But at some point that list stops and then there's other areas of our life when it's fair game. My, my money is my own. Don't talk to me about my money as a Christian. Don't you know that I'm, I'm den- denying all of these other things? I'm, I'm denying myself of all of these other things? When it comes to my money, listen, it's a problem. And we can look at our time, I care for others. There's so many ways in which we will be selective as to how we respond to the gospel. But the true denial of self says, I've been crucified with Christ. I am dead. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And so... Whatever, not just my shopping list of desires, but whatever desires come from myself and are not consistent with Christ, I am dead to them. Nothing. No restriction. No limitation. And it's on the basis that we've taken up our cross and we know that we're dead men walking. We're dead women walking. A man walking with his cross down the streets of Jerusalem, down the Via della Rosa, towards Golgotha. He he weren't going to stop and go shop when he felt like it. He wasn't going to stop in a local inn and just rest for the night and be like, you know what, Romans, (laughs) give me a break. I'm just going to be in here, spend the night, and we'll pick up where we left off tomorrow. There was none of that. He was walking to his death. Game over. Case closed. No appeal. They're the kind of witnesses that we're called to be. Those who are already dead in heart and prepared to die in reality for the testimony of Christ. So every believer is called to be a witness. You are called to be a witness. How have you responded to that call? How have you responded to that call? Now, being a witness who's on mission, how do we do it? Because there are a few myths that exist. So people think, well, you know what? When it comes to evangelism, that's not really my thing because I'm not a Bible basher. I haven't got anything against those who are, but that's not really me. Or I'm not an extrovert. And so I'm not, I, I can't do evangelism. There is a distinction between an evangelist and a witness. We see in Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12, that there are those who are gifted with the grace to be evangelists. There are those who are gifted with the grace to be evangelists. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So there are those who are gifted with the grace to be an evangelist. And they are a gift to the body. So that doesn't make everyone an evangelist. Amen? So you can relax. You can relax. It's okay. You can breathe. Because the reason the body is made up of many parts is because there are those who have been given certain graces to contribute to the life of the body, right? If all the body were an eye, where would the hearing be? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12. If all the body were an evangelist, where would be the teaching or the pastoring or where would those things be? So it's cool. You may not be an evangelist. <laughs> but it'll not end there. You know that isn't it really. It's not going to it's not going to end there. Let just let you completely off the hook. All right. Look at that closely. Let's just say it says and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. Let's just focus on the evangelists. And he gave the evangelists. In verse 12, what is the job of the evangelist? You just have to read it. It's not a trick question. In verse 12, it says, the evangelist is to equip the who? Saints. Oh, hold on a minute. That's a bit peak. It, to qu- equip who? Saints. The saints for the work of ministry. For the work of ministry. The saints for the work of ministry. So who's supposed to be doing The ministry. Alright, so we're all supposed to be doing the work of the ministry. The evangelist is a gift to the body to help the body evangelize. So we may not all be evangelists, but we're all called to do the work of the evangelist. We're all called to evangelize. The evangelist helps equip us to be faithful witnesses. Some would say, you know what, the difference between the evangelist and the witness is that the evangelist will create opportunities to share the gospel. There was this lady, I know, I was talking to, um, about this at DMT on Thursday this week. Rob said, you gotta share that story on Sunday. There's this lady, um, Charmaine. Some people, old school, will remember Charmaine, Charmaine and Roy. remember Charmaine and Roy? P, I'm a lion. Fire. A inferno, a walking gospel inferno. And you see how I'm talking? She talked like that all the time. I'm not even joking. There was one day I was I was talking to Judith about this morning, trying to clarify the facts. There was one day her and her husband came round. Now her and her husband absolutely chalk and cheese, absolute opposites. Talk about the odd couple. She's a um, lady of, of Jamaican heritage, and she was fire. And everything was with passion. Jesus. And Ray was completely the opposite. He he spoke in in very pronounced and clear English. He was very, am I lying Helen? He was a, he, he was a, he was a gentleman. He was, I mean, not that she was like carousing, but he, when I talk about personalities, absolutely different polar opposites. And there was one time when uh, Roy and Charmaine came to visit us when we was living in Clapham. And I, it was it was a given. It wasn't even a surprise. We got into some prayer. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell you we got into prayer, right? Now, where we live, we lived in a flat, and there was one flat above us. Like So it was one neighbour, and it was concrete block, so it wasn't too bad. But I'm sure that they were disturbed by our prayer <laughs> because we prayed the roof off. Like, when Charmaine prayed, there weren't no quiet... T- waiting for one another, and Lord, you know, and amen, amen, and
1: Lord,
0: we want to just call on your name today, and when I tell you, and we, we all went in, we all went in, enjoyed the freedom, enjoyed the liberty, so we get into prayer, we got lost in prayer, anyway, Royal have to leave, and we're there infused, we're, we're, we're ignited, and they're rolling out of our front door, and as they roll out of our front door, our neighbors are upstairs, now, we were cool with our neighbors, so they weren't like, we weren't concerned, oh, they're gonna be like all this noise. We were just wondering, what are they gonna make of what was going on? They weren't gonna complain, but they're probably confused. Like, what in the world's going on down there? So anyway, tutus, we come out, I don't even remember the details, but next thing I know, our neighbor upstairs, Pat, she, she was, she came down the steps and we were talking and tutus, all I know, her hand is in Charmaine's hand and Charmaine is there exhorting her and, And I'm just like, I've been here how many years? (laughs) This lady was unquenchable. Unstoppable. Like, just that grace on her life. That grace on her life. And she didn't need to wait for an opportunity to share the gospel. She she made opportunity. She kicked the door of opportunity off. She grabbed opportunity by the throat and said, come, let's go. And you know, there's just certain believers like that. They might not be so exuberant. I mean, uh, Mikey P, Sister Ange, adventures in the Lord. They don't just happen by accident. It's just grace on her life. And she's always taking opportunities, grabbing opportunities, making opportunities to share Jesus. That's the grace of the evangelist. But the witness is somebody who takes opportunities. We may not make opportunities, but we pray for opportunities and we take opportunities to testify of Jesus Christ and what he has done in our lives. And all of us can do that. And you see, there's something that we're supposed to have in common with the evangelist. At least two things. One love for Jesus. Anyone you know who's got that grace on their life as an evangelist is so clear that they love Jesus. They're like the Shulamite in in Song of Song and Song of Songs, Song of Solomon. Have you seen my beloved? Do you know him? Did you see which way he went? It's like the 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 fiance who cannot await the wedding day, who's enraptured in love with the with the with the the the, the, um, betrothed, and has to tell people. We got to share that in common with the evangelist. And if we're concerned with our lack of fervor to witness, let's plunge into the love of Christ and be so consumed by him that we can't help but tell it. Amen? Amen. But also, there is a clear and blatant disregard for themselves. (laughs) They don't care what people think of them. They don't business how foolish they look. They are completely dead to their own reputation and any concerns about what people may think or say about them, it's just Jesus. Evangelism isn't only for the extrovert. We may not express those same that same attitude of heart in a very extroverted way, but that attitude of heart has to be in us. Amen? So, Paul said to Timothy, as for you, remember Timothy was a young elder, young pastor, commissioned by Paul to raise up others. He said, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. He didn't say, Timothy, remember you're an evangelist. He said, do the work of an evangelist. And there is something in that for all of us who are in ministry, but it's not exclusive to us who are in ministry. Amen? So, how do we do it? Relational. Jesus said in Matthew 28, as we looked at it, go and make disciples. And that involves in-reach and outreach that involves taking the gospel and applying it to our own hearts. It involves taking the gospel and sharing it with one another. And within the congregation, there will be those who actually are being drawn by the Lord, but they've not arrived at that place of submission to Christ. They've not arrived at that place of complete repentance And so even as we're interacting with one another and those people come into view, they need the gospel just as much as we do. We need it daily. The just shall live by faith, shall live by it. Just like, you know what, the human will live by breathing and drinking fluid and eating food. You don't do those things, you're dead. You live by those things. We live by faith in the gospel And that, that faith needs to be consistently nourished We need to be consistently reminded That apart from Christ we can do nothing We are completely and totally depraved We're sinners and cannot do anything for ourselves apart from him And he is tremendous in his goodness toward us In that he gave his life while we were yet sinners And he died for us and he gave us his spirit And we we chew on that and we feed on that day by day by day. And when Satan comes as the accuser of the brethren and he brings the accusations, ah, you're a flop as a Christian. Ah, but I'm covered in the blood of the lamb. I'm, I'm saved by grace, not of works. And we remind ourselves of the gospel and we remind one another of the gospel. And as we relationally, embody the gospel in our lives and on our lips, we affect and influence one another. Even those among us who are, they're they're on a journey, they're inquiring, they're seeking, they're being drawn by the Lord. Likewise, as we interact with others in our workplaces, as we interact with others in our neighbourhoods, whether it be our neighbours, whether it be our family, whether it be our friends. Always remember, you're a living letter being read by all people. Your life testifies to the gospel. In Acts chapter 1, Luke said, when he, as he, he spoke about his gospel, he said, and you know, O Theophilus, the... Account that I gave of all that Jesus began to do and say. What he'd done and what he said. And this is what people are going to see in our lives. What we do and what we say. And you might feel to yourself, you know, I don't really know the Bible. And it might be, who does? I mean, look how big the Bible is. Somebody's always going to find something in there to, to try and trip up. Even the most knowledgeable of us. So who knows everything? Nobody. Yet, we have a testimony. No one can deny what God has done for you. It's like you saying, I've got a pain in my foot, and someone's saying, no, you haven't. How can somebody deny that you have a, a pain wherever your pain may be? Likewise, when you say, you know what? I don't know much, but I know this. I was once in darkness, and Jesus opened my eyes. I was was lost and Jesus came and he found me and he's absolutely changed my life. Who can argue with that? And you know what they'll do? They'll watch you. Is that really true? Is your life really changed? And so may our lives that we live be consistent with the faith we profess in the Lord whom we serve. That when people look And see you, when they see your good works, they're able to give thanks to the Father who is in heaven. Amen? Amen. Amen. But we're not like those who would say that's the end of the story. All you have to do is just, you know, live a a good moral life, a a godly life, and people will just be attracted. There'll just be a magnetism. And people would just want to know, what is it that makes you like you are? You know, that's not really real, is it? Because there are lots of people that live moral lives. There's lots of people. Now, obviously, they have their issues behind closed doors or in the secrets of their heart. But generally speaking, you can have somebody who is an outright atheist. And you would look at their life and you'd be like, I can tell you, I've got godparents. You know, this is crazy. My godparents are atheists. But they're Godparents. I don't know how that works, but I'm grateful for it because they've been a blessing to my life. And when I look at their lives, they're moral people. Moral, upright, outstanding individuals. Pay their taxes. I mean, when I talk about charitable, altruistic, they took me in. When I had no mum and my dad weren't around. Talk about compassionate, caring for the community. I look at their lives in many ways. They're better Christians than many Christians. (laughs) just to look at that but you know what they don't know the Lord and good works can't save you and by God's grace they repent and put their faith in Christ or when they die they will go to perish and it's hard talk but it demonstrates to us that the gospel is more than words but it's not less than words And the gospel must be proclaimed. And even if it be in just us simply sharing our testimony, let that be the case. Now there's a challenge in scripture for all of us as believers. A challenge that we are to note and give consideration to seriously because it's something for which we will be held accountable. First Peter 3.15 But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. See where it starts? In your heart. Recognizing that Jesus is Lord and he is holy. There's none like him. He is, he's not in another category. There are no categories to put him in. Always being prepared, not that word, prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So there's an emphasis there on our hearts acknowledging Jesus rightly. The work of mission is basically spreading the Lordship of Christ. Spreading the Lordship of Christ. In in discipleship, we spread it deep into hearts, into lives, individuals. As we go on mission, we spread it wide to the nations. But it's all about the Lordship of Christ. And so as we set Christ apart in our hearts as Lord, we then are supposed to be prepared and in order to be prepared, you get ready, right? Now, I know some of you, when you're traveling, if you're like me, preparation is a last-minute thing. You think maybe it's just going to happen all of a sudden. And so the night before you're traveling, you're packing your case. And then you realize, oh, no, the travel iron's busted. It's too late now. I'm going to have to buy one at an extortionate price at the airport because we weren't prepared. And so the idea is that you get prepared. Get prepared in order to be prepared to make a defense. And this phrase is a, a legal term. So when you're called to the stand as a witness, it might happen at the bus stop. It might happen in the family gathering when you're at that christening. It might happen at the funeral. It might happen around the dinner table. It might happen at work over the water cooler. When you're called to, to as a witness to the stand, ah, oh, you believe in God, don't you? What's that all about? And people want to know the reason for the hope that is in you. Be prepared to give an answer. You may feel ill-equipped. You know what? That's what fellowship is all about. And there's more than just what's available in the teaching here and in the book table at the back. There's there's a wealth. I mean, hours of YouTube videos. Free, you know. It's not even like you have to pay for them. Tremendous books. The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Evidence that Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. I mean, being ready to give a defense, there's no shortage of resources to equip us. Iron sharpens iron. Practice your testimony with one another. I remember Pastor Peeways used to say, you know what? Everyone should have three versions of their testimony, you know. Three versions. You know that bus stop testimony? When you see on the top it says the bus is coming in two minutes and you get into a convo, you've got to be able to just bang it out quick two minutes before they get on the bus. Nothing long. Version one. Maybe there's that lunchtime testimony when you've got ten minutes over lunch. But then there might be the more exhaustive, unabridged version. (laughs) Yeah? Everyone, all of us, be prepared. Let's start thinking about that. Let's encourage one another to that end. Amen? In terms of how we do mission, it also says here that we should do it with gentleness and respect. And this is so often the place where Christians flop because we're not gentle and we're not respectful. We're arrogant, we're condescending, we're patronizing. We're just, we just are offensive in our manner. It's true though. And it's not becoming of the Lord that we serve and the message that we carry. The message that we carry is offensive enough as it is. I remember one time, I think I told you before at one point, I was around um, by Brockwell Park, Went to the shop, ended up getting a conversation with this guy. This brother was like, you could tell he was, um, he was gully. <laughs> this is just the easiest way. He had this chops on his hand, right? This big gold chops. It must have been about two inches thick. Back in those days, yardies was running the roads. And I definitely had him figured as a yardie. But I could have been stereotyping. But I remember speaking to this brother, and this brother, we had to, he was like, yeah man, may God bless you may God bless you, you, know? God bless you. I'm, I'm blessed by God, I'm blessed by God I'm alright I I'm all... I said, um, have you repented and put your faith in Jesus Jesus that's a white man talking, you know I said you know what then God ain't your father, you know you're a child of the devil who told me to go and tell the brother that <laughs> you know that I said it with a smile I won't try to start no fight out here but I don't know the Lord just gave me a boldness on that occasion just to confront the guy listen and my man stepped back like you know that when somebody said oh listen he was suitably confronted now the conversation went wherever it went I'm not saying that all of a sudden he just dropped to his knees what must I do to be saved but no one had really kind of put it to him like that, but the Lord knows that I couldn't be coming all arrogant and you're a wicked, evil guy, you know. You're going to go to hell. You're the, the, you're the son of the devil and start getting all offensive and that I would have been finished out there. The message is hard enough as it is. We don't need to come hard. We don't add weight to the message by being screw-faced. And so often, we do it in order to get ourselves psyched up. So like the guy who's going to go on a, on, a, on a robbery, he's going to rob the off-license, and he's there, and he does his coke, and he's there listening to some grime or something, and he's getting himself worked up, and then he goes in, and he has to get himself sacked up, and we're like that as Christians. Like, we're going to do evangelism, and we're just, okay,
1: right. Mm, uh.
0: that, that's where we start listening to Christian rap, right? Hill songs God. Friday night mission. Put on some Lecrae. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But let us be gentle and respectful Let us be winsome in our manner It doesn't detract from the message And yet it doesn't cause unnecessary offence You see the reality is that It's not by might nor by power But by the spirit of the Lord Jesus said no one can come to me Unless the father draws him. Now There's one consideration that I'm going to Finish with And this is something that Has absolutely Liberated me Absolutely liberated me In my attitude to mission In my attitude to sharing the gospel Absolutely transformed My heart and my mind when it comes to the reality of doing the work of evangelism and sharing with people. And it has relieved me of so much pressure and it has relieved me of so much anxiety and it has actually brought joy to the reality of mission. There are lots of different ways to consider this verse. But on this occasion, let's just consider it in this context as applied to the issue of mission. Ephesians 1 verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. And then it goes on. It's one of them sentences of Paul's. Mm -hmm. The point is this. God has done a work of choosing before the foundation of the world. And he has ordained, he has purposed that dead hearts would come alive by means of the gospel. Amen? Amen. In Romans 10, it tells us, how will they believe unless they hear? How will they hear unless there's a preacher? The reality is that there are individuals that God Is doing a work in their hearts and lives. By reason of his divine election. And all that is needed for them to come to life. Is for the the gospel. The light of the gospel. To light the touch paper of their heart. Like a match. And. They come alive. And so. It takes the pressure off us. Knowing that God by his Holy Spirit is at work in people's lives. And there are people who are destined to be saved. We don't know who they are. The secret things are the Lord's. So let's not get presumptuous. Let's not get carried away. Let's just appreciate the fact that as we share the gospel. Not by our might. Not by our power. Not by our wordiness. But just by reason of the gospel connecting with that heart. People will come alive. And we have the joy and the privilege of participating in that experience. We don't have to convince, we don't have to beat anyone into the kingdom, drag them kicking and screaming. We just need to share the gospel. For me, that's a tremendous consideration. For me, that absolutely liberates me and causes me to rejoice. That anyone's salvation, anyone's conversion is not reliant upon me. My efforts, my cleverness, my Bible knowledge, my ability to to talk them in, to persuade them. God is at work. And so we're in a win-win situation. We can't lose. Because as we share the gospel with people, those that are his will be drawn to him. Amen. Amen. So, our mission, our vision, I should say, sorry. A healthy church equipped to disciple, faithful on mission. In community group, we'll talk about the dynamic of personal and corporate mission. And the way in which corporate mission, so the Friday night evangelism or outreach events and so on. The place that they serve in making disciples of all nations. And how they can, those things can actually help us on our personal quest to be faithful on mission. Amen. Praise God. Um, as we get ready to conclude, I'm going to ask SO to come and share a song, the song Tell Them All. And um, I thought it was just entirely appropriate as we're speaking about the matter of mission to encourage us. cool bro yeah i'm just, I'm just waiting for you uh, sorry bro I, i'm gonna get out of your way <laughs> i know i want to back you up bro but i don't no, know no, no, like you, that. Are
2: you, you can do it <laughs> um yeah just to just to even encourage you guys man like i remember when i was in sixth form this seems like a, a long long time ago um and we used to get bullied me and my friend caleb for being christians um they used to call us like a bunch of names like oh you're those christian boys oh look at you I used to like, oh, man, we used to be so discouraged sometimes. Um, but there's a there's a passage in Acts where it talks about the disciples being happy that they were being persecuted for their faith. So if that's something that, you know what I mean, is, is lingering in your heart today where you feel like, man, I'm really uncertain whether or not I should share the gospel. Um, let that be an encouragement to you. You know, the, the worst of us, i.e. myself, have, have been through. Just that moment where we want to be silent And not say anything Like, oh, they might I might lose my friend here today Oh, Tim might not like me anymore Whoever Tim is um, He doesn't exist in my Well, Tim is real It's just You know um, So this song is called Tell all
1: Check it Ah, uh, Man, this is that Christ, all of my speech Can't leave a man They strike off that evil We it's Tell this uh, sinister, the it's simple to see So I picture these people Scream out from that rooftop Microphone with that woodwork So there's no stuff That the sun about to get it, it's the gospel that I'm spreading. Ah.
2: Bear pressure.
0: (laughs) Thank you, my brother. Let's stand. Let's go. Let (laughs) go. Praise be to God. God is so good to call us into his family and to give us good news to share. Amen? Amen? May the Lord help us. Father, we look to you today. We look to you for your... For your favor, Lord. Lord, we look, we look for your pleasure. Our desire is that you delight in us. That, Lord, you'd say well done like a, a father to a child who's just so encouraged. So, so delighted with that which their child has done. Lord, we recognise that you don't need any of us, but you choose to involve us. And there's something of yourself that you reveal to us as you have us partner with you in the work of mission. And Lord, we're encouraged because we know that you are with us always. Always with us even in the most difficult, challenging conversations, even in the, those times when we feel like we're, we're un, un, on the firing line and we're pinned against the wall and there's so many questions and so many statements being made that we can't answer or respond to, but you're still with us. And you've called us to be martyrs, Lord. Those who would be willing, who would be submitted we would be so surrendered that we would be prepared to go the way of Christ, that way of suffering, that way of hardship, that your glory might be revealed. And so take our lives and let them be, Lord, a sweet-smelling savour unto you, uh, unto you Lord, a living, living sacrifice, Lord. We bless your name. Thank you for the privilege. Jesus' name. Amen.